Hello and welcome to the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast. If you're watching me on YouTube, the most important question I can ask you is, am I cool enough to pull off a backwards hat? If you're driving your car, I decided to put my hat on backwards and I instantly feel insecure because I'm 36, I'm not 22. So what age do you have to stop wearing a backwards hat? That has nothing to do with the podcast. I interviewed Dr. Michael Frazas, I think I say his last name. He's one of the co-founders of Ripe Global, which is a all-inclusive dental continuing education based in Australia. This guy's amazing. To be upfront, I didn't know much about him before I asked him to be on the podcast. I just really liked his Instagram. There's so much bullshit out there with dental influencers and people trying to sell you crappy courses. And I'll get into that later. But there's something about his Instagram that's very authentic and genuine. And that's at Dr. Michael Frazas. It's F-R-A-Z-I-S. I I hope I'm saying that correctly. Amazing guy. Um, Father of two kids, associate dentist, great lecturer. We talked a lot about mindset and burnout and how does he handle so many things so well and still have time for his family. Michael, if you're listening, thank you again for the podcast. And to my audience, you're going to love this. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt you keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10-minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to CashflowCoachUSA.com, scan the QR code or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics and our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com. Yeah, that was good. Michael, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate your time today. So I brought this up before we got on air. There's so much bullshit in dental influencing and dental Instagram, and you're the complete opposite. What has been your motivation to produce such value to all your followers? Why are you doing this? I mean... It's it's one of those things where, like you said, there's just so much bullshit out there. You you go on Instagram or social media, and every every second thing is an ad. Everything everyone's trying to sell you something, and it's not like I'm not trying to sell you something. I've got a course where I run courses. Everyone's got something that they're trying to you know give to you or give value to you. But the way that a lot of people go around it is they just try to just ram it down your throat. And it it doesn't, 
doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work for me. I don't know about you, but if someone's just sort of selling, 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 it just, you just sort of block that person, you move on, you just never look at that person again. And so I just look at the things that grab my attention when, when I'm online, I'm going, oh, that's a, you know, a nice photo, a nice picture. This has a meaning behind it. There's a story behind it. I want to learn more and sort of be captivated by this thing. And so the more of those kind of things that, you know, you put out there, and the more engaging you're going to be with whoever you're trying to reach, whether it's, you know, you're a dentist trying to reach patients or whether you're a dentist trying to reach other dentists, just have a look and see what motivates you to stay on Instagram, what kind of things grab your attention, and then do more of those kind of things. Because at the end of the day, the people that you're trying to target or reach are essentially people just like you and you're going to gel well with people that are like you and so it tends to sort of go from there and it's also like giving out more information i mean you the the main thing that people are learning now with any form of marketing is the more free content you give out the more sort of you know podcast or you know video series or youtube series or whatever that's sort of teaching and educating people go oh this person actually has credibility and authority and all these kind of things and I want to learn more about this. And then you can have some sort of longer form content that's obviously behind a paywall or something like that, or with patients, you know, I want to learn more about, you know, veneers from this guy. I'm going to go to his clinic and get those veneers from him. But if you're not sort of putting all that content out there, they don't know that you know all these things about veneers. You're just putting up a pretty picture and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy might know how to do veneers, but why should I go to this person as opposed to this other person? So, yeah, I think the main appeal for your Instagram is I'm just talking to you for the first time today in person, but I already like mm -hmm. you. I feel like I already know you and you're so authentic on your Instagram that people are probably attracted mm -hmm. to you because they feel like they can trust what you're saying and the work you produce online is amazing. So that is probably the main. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the posts you made a while ago on your Instagram was if you have burnout or even anxiety about your job, mm. reach out to me. And a lot of my dentists or audience are younger dentists. So over the next hour, if we could almost build a blueprint for an early phase dentist to not experience burnout, how would we start that? What would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Oh, um, that's a very good question. So I think... Ten, um, in the person I was 10 years ago is obviously completely different to the person that I am now. I used to struggle a lot more and I still do, but to a lot lesser extent with, you know, imposter syndrome and, and things like that, which I think everyone in dentistry tends to suffer from at some point or another just because of the nature of our job, the type of person that is attracted to the dental career and all those kind of things. And I would focus a lot on what other people thought of the work that I was doing or thought of me as a dentist, as a person. But these were people that didn't know me, had no view of my work, couldn't see my work because I wasn't sort of posting online or doing any of these things. And I kind of realized after many, many sort of years of struggle that the people that I was in my head receiving criticism from weren't actually aware of anything that I was doing whatsoever. So I was sort of prejudging myself using someone else's eyes when that person had no idea what I was doing or talking about or anything. So 
I was creating scenarios in my head that was keeping me back from doing a lot of the things that I sort of, you know, wanted to do. So that's kind of the first thing is just don't judge yourself through someone else's eyes or someone else's perspective because they're not living the situation that you're sort of living. That's not to give yourself an excuse saying, you know, oh, woe is me. I'm in a in a poor country town. I can't do all these big complex stuff because it's just who I am and, you know, my patients can't afford it. I can't do this. I can't do that. Everyone's got an excuse about why they can't do the thing that they want to do. I don't want to have like a victim mentality of I never want to, I can never be capable of doing those things. But you just want to give yourself that break of I don't want someone else's viewpoint to influence what I'm currently doing if that person can't see what I'm doing. So don't receive feedback from someone that can't help you. But on the flip side of that is you need to actually receive feedback from people that are mentoring you and helping you so that you can sort of grow and get to that next level. And one of the easiest ways of doing that is taking photos of your cases and sharing them with someone. And if you don't have someone, the online vast community is, is great. You do have to get a bit of a thick skin very early on, especially if you're posting cases online, because a lot of people sort of try to attack you. So sharing it within a close knit community or like minded peers is probably the, the safer way to go. So if you have like a, a study group or an online study group or something like that, or any of the things that we do with Ripe Global is kind of a little bit of a safer way of doing that. But another thing that's I was getting with the burnout early on and it's something that I think a lot of dentists do when they first graduate and it's probably not something I would change too much but I will sort of reflect on it differently is that sort of work-life balance when you're first starting you obviously have you don't have a lot of experience and so you're going to be working a lot more and more hours and you know longer hours than you normally would work now or for more days of the week than you currently would work now so i've recently cut my days back to three and a half days uh, a week i haven't worked saturdays for a very long period of time but before i was working saturdays i was working monday to friday and i was doing late nights so it was the equivalent of seven days of work condensed into six days of actual clinical days. So it gets very tiring and you don't have a lot of motivation to do anything else at the end of those days because you're just getting yourself mentally ready for the next day. And so just making sure you have those scheduled breaks, whether it's, you know, two consecutive days off for a weekend, or you have like a, a day of the week where you're just sort of able to do your admin life admin stuff you know go to the bank go to the post office pay your bills all those kind of things can stress you in the background but you don't realize it and then it the stress adds up because you're like oh when am i going to be able to do this i can't because i'm working can't do this because i'm working and so all of that builds up and then it adds to the burnout part of things uh, one of the other things i've recently done is at the beginning of this year, I started seeing a psychologist or business coach slash psychologist. And I see him very regularly. Actually, I have a meeting with him today. But not because there's anything that's fundamentally that I've got like mental health issues or anything like that. You know, not that there's an issue if you do. But just to unravel a lot of the 
the things that were causing me, you know, stress and burnout and issues in my clinical that were just me problems, like things that I was holding myself back. So, you know, one of the things would be, let's say with the imposter syndrome, it would be, I didn't think I was good enough to be in the position that I am in. And so they he would ask me, it's like, well, you've got all of these accolades and all these people that look up to you. Why do you think you've gotten into this position if you weren't capable of doing this thing? And it's really just having a conversation with someone who is paid to listen and have that conversation with you in a way that helps you reframe your thinking. And so another thing that helps with the the burnout, especially early on, is actually having honest and open conversations with someone who can help you, or at least with a colleague who's been through it before. So that's one of the reasons why I tell dentists to you know reach out to me if they have any sort of burnout issues, because I've had those issues before and I've had systems in place to solve it. And a lot of these sort of things that I'm mentioning, the make sure you actually have some time to yourself during the week. Make sure you are, you know, looking after yourself at the end of the day. You're not just sort of going to waking up, going to do dentistry, going to bed, wake up, do dentistry, wake up, do dentistry every single day. Like you have something else, some extracurricular activities, some family time, just scheduling other things in. Just come from experience because if you're all about the family life, your dentistry is going to suffer. And if you're all about the dentistry, your family life is going to suffer and vice versa. So just making sure everything has its own place in your life can really help out with all those things. What was the trigger to move from condensing seven days to six, we'll say, and then going down to three and a half? Was there like a breaking point where you were like, I can't do this? Did you hit like burnout or why did you make the switch? No, so I didn't. So burnout for me is is a bit different. I've never been in a position where I've worked myself to the point where I physically cannot do the same thing the next week. Like fit, like you know, I just can't get out of bed. Kind of burnout, like that is very severe, and I'd never want to be in a position. If you're in that position, you're obviously your body is forcing you to make a change now for the better so you either take a break or your body will force you to take a break we kind of all have been in that situation we work so hard and then you get a cold or you just wake up one morning and you're like i physically can't get out of bed i just cannot do it um i've never been in that position sort of work wise so the thing that got me from seven to so from seven days a week down to six was I started a family and then I realized I actually need to see my family. So I had to cut out the the weekends. And that was as soon as I did that, this whole big weight lifted off my shoulders. And I realized how much stress I was under beforehand. And it wasn't that the stress changed because dentistry is a very stressful job. I just had more time to recover from it. And therefore I was able to perform to a higher level for those six days compared to the seven because I wasn't as burnt out as I was before. And then I started with all the the online teaching and the right global stuff. And then that started eating away into my evenings and afternoons because obviously, you know, you're working Monday to Friday. You don't have any time during the, the clinical day to sort of sit down and write a lecture. It's all happening after the kids have gone to bed, after the wife's gone to bed between the hours of, you know, 
eight and one o'clock in the morning, you're sort of churning out content and making lectures and all that. And you do that for enough years and then you start realizing that something's going to break. So, and wives are very good at telling you, you know, you're kind of heading towards a cliff. Maybe you should sort of back it up a little bit. And then I dropped down, I dropped Mondays. Uh, I added Monday nights by appointment only for like, you know, you just go in, you just see one patient in the evening. Um, and that's been really good for my productivity and just in general, patients uh, really enjoy that. So, you know, I'll go in on a Monday night, I work at home all day and then I'll go in on a Monday night and sort of, you know, do a couple of implants or do a couple of crowns and then sort of, you know, go home. And then I started doing more online teaching. Um, and then I realized that one day a week dedicated to the teaching side of things wasn't enough. And so I recently in July this year, uh, dropped the Friday. And so everyone's like, oh, you have a four day weekend every single week, um, which I do, but I do work from home. So there are meetings, you know, generally from like nine o'clock in the morning to, you know, four or five o'clock in the, in the afternoon on a Monday and a Friday. I also do the life admin stuff. So I'll take the kids to school, you know, do any bills and all that kind of stuff on the Monday and the Friday as well. Uh, and then at least I have the two days to sort of recover from things. So with Ripe Global and do you own your practice or are you mm. an associate? No, I'm an associate at this point. So in with time. clinical practice and Ripe Global, how many hours a week do you think you're working now and creating all this good content and lecturing? Oh, it's probably about somewhere between 60 and 70. Is so that's still it normally is. a very large amount of hours per week, but it seems like you... Oh, enjoy- yeah. It's just, it's shifted. Yeah. It's shifted. It's not exactly, I'm like, oh, I'm only working three days a week. No, I'm actually working more hours than I've worked before in my life. But it's just... And I was, I mentioned it when I first saw my, uh, my psychologist, he goes, well, what do you do for fun? What do you do sort of to unwind from dentistry? I'm like, well, the teaching is a break from dentistry. And he goes, well, what do you do is a break from teaching? It's like, well, I spend time with the family. So it's like, everything is a break from the other thing, but on sun, on Sundays, and it just so happens to be Sunday, I just do a break from, from everything. So I don't create content on Sundays. I don't do any dentistry on Sundays. We go to my parents' house. The kids can sort of run around in the backyard and I'll bring a book. I read, I do uh, whatever I want to do. I'll, you know, I'll play a video game. I'll, you know, spend time with the kids, spend time with the family. But that's kind of my, I'm not doing any work related anything on the Sunday. Um, and that's purely just recovery and then just spending time with the family. Whereas every other day is, kind of a mix of, okay, I'm doing clinical dentistry now, now I'm doing teaching, now I'm doing some family stuff. And then you're sort of bouncing around between all your different jobs. And the bouncing around can get a little bit tiring because I try to focus 100% on what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So if I'm, it doesn't always happen this way. I'm like, I'm not some saint where, you know, my phone goes in a locked cupboard when I'm with the kids and I'm never, you know, looking at my phone and, you know, answering someone's Instagram comment while I'm, you know, supposed to be reading to my kids it it happens but i try very hard to just sort of separate things so if i'm doing family time i'll not do anything else and if i'm doing this i'm not doing something else but it doesn't always happen whereas sundays i try to keep it as i'm definitely not doing any work related anything do you look forward to these sundays as like a reward for all your hard work um that's actually a very good question. I'm not 
No, I don't think they're that amazing that it's... I'm always... Let me see how I can rephrase this. I'm always grateful that I did it after it's done, but it's not something that I... I don't... I don't not look forward to it. I'm like, oh, it's going to be another Sunday with the family. But I don't sort of sit there going, yes, I can't wait until it's Sunday so I can, you know, have a break from my life. Um, like, I really love what I do. And, you know, I love going into to work. I love helping patients. You know, some days are easier than others, but I really love going in. I love, you know, doing the teaching. I love, you know, helping people out and, you know, learning online. So, I look forward to, you know, going on holidays with my family. I like, you know, getting on a plane and going somewhere and doing something. But the actual sort of Sunday thing, um, obviously, you know, look forward to my mother's cooking and all those kind of things. But the actual break, I don't think it's something that I look forward to, but it's definitely something that I need every single week. I think we all need it. Let me back up and ask you a question. When your psychologist asked you, you have all of these <laughs> accolades and you achieve this position, yet you still have imposter syndrome, you didn't answer. Mm-mm. Why did you still feel like you were an imposter, although you achieved that position of success? I think it's just something that's part of my mentality is I'm always... Dentists have taught from dental school to be very self-critical of our own work. I'm not sure how it is in in the US where you are, but in Australia, at least in at the university that I studied at, every single thing that we do, we have to reflect on it. We have a, a journal of ref- <clears throat> a journal of reflection that we sort of have to have for our clinical work. You know what went well with your you know filling that you tried to do. What went well with this? What didn't go well? What could you improve? And so you do that for five, every single day for five years, kind of gets beaten into you. Also, dentists tend to have to excel at high school, at college, at university to get to the positions that we're at now. So there's a lot of stigma and stress that comes with that. And so you're performing at a high level every single day for, you know, five, 10, 20 years, and then you graduate. And then suddenly you're out in the real world and you think that all of the negative things that come with, you know, getting to that position suddenly go away just because you graduate and you've got a job and they don't. And I kind of, for a very, very long time, I thought that I was the only person having imposter syndrome. And then I learned that pretty much every single person has imposter syndrome to some degree except for people who are so overconfident in themselves that they actually that's their problem yes <laughs> is they're overconfident in their abilities um, and i was overconfident in my abilities very very early on not that i didn't also have imposter syndrome i have a very weird fluctuation of overconfidence to imposter syndrome like i sort of swing from one end to the other but now the swings still happen but they're like this rather than like you know that kind of situation but I also learnt recently from oh, what's his name? I'm gonna completely butcher. I think it's like Finch. He's a he's a motive not a motivation. Can't even say my words today. It, he's not a motivational speaker, but he's a, um, a like a communication sort of coach. I have paid for his course, haven't done it yet. But he said that 
imposter syndrome's good because it actually is that little voice inside your head that just tells you just to not be shit. And I was like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's the reason we've got it built in our heads of, hey, the thing you kind of did was a little bit crap. Maybe you should do a bit better next time. And that's great if what you did was crap. But then when your thing is actually good and you can't see it because you keep focusing on that voice inside your head that goes, no, that's crap, no, that's crap. And you have to start listening to all the other people around you that say, actually, no, your filling was actually quite good. So I had a bad habit of, I would do a filling and then my nurse would like tell me afterwards, oh, that was actually, you know, looked like a really good filling. Um, you did, you know, really well. And, you know, those veneers that you did look really beautiful. And then my comment straight afterwards would be, oh yeah, but I could do better. I'm like, no, just like in, like, accept the compliment. Like, you know, thank you. They were really nice veneers. Um, next time I'll do this, 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 and they'll be even better. So you're not sort of dismissing the positive, but you're also not dismissing the thing inside your head that you've been built to have of, what can you improve for next time to take you to that sort of next level? It's not focusing on one or the other, just focusing on both. And that can sort of propel you forward. So that's what I've been doing recently. And it's really actually helped. It's almost like, you know, paying someone to unravel the thoughts inside your head actually makes good financial sense. That's so hard to achieve what you said right there. Continual improvement but also, like, you can't be unhappy forever and trying to improve at the same time. Mm. It'll be a shit life. So if you can somehow get a balance between, yeah. okay, I'm doing good, but I can do better and still be happy and improve, that's, like, where everyone's trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to have that goal to work towards. And it can't just be so massive that you get lost, like, one of the things we try to sort of focus on with the, the teaching in Right Global is obviously everyone, I mean, if you, let's take the restorative fellowship, we try to work everyone towards, you know, doing a full math rehab. And there are some people that go, well, I don't want to ever do full math rehabs. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to do 28 units of crowns with people. And I'll say, well, a rehabilitation isn't always 28 units of crowns. It might be a denture in there, might be some implants, might be this, might be that. But you go on a journey and it's all the little things that you learn on the way to achieving that goal that change you as a person. Like no one can be amazing at doing full mouth rehabilitations if you don't know how to take good clinical photos because that sets the precedence of your consent, your communication, your records and just reviewing and reflecting all the work that you do. So we start with teaching everyone that and then you learn how to do posterior crowns efficiently because there's no point learning how to do 28 crowns if each crown prep takes you two hours to do because then you you physically die and the patient <laughs> will die by the end of the appointment and so you just kind of have to like do all these little mini goals and achieve all of those ones by the time you get to that sort of bigger goal but if you just focus on i'm going to do this bigger goal and you don't break it down into lots of little steps and then have each of those little steps as a mini goal to try and achieve. You just never get that bigger thing. And so it's the same thing with trying to, you know, I'm not saying fix your mental health or anything like that, but just become a more 
resilient and robust dentist is you go, well, what, what feeling am I feeling right now? Like, let's lean into that and go, okay, well, why am I feeling this particular way? What happened today that sort of, you know, triggered that feeling in me? Why is it that I feel really upset about those veneers? Did I actually do a bad job? Or is it, I think I did a bad job. Why do I think that I did a bad job? Has someone said something to me in the past that caused me to have these feelings about myself? Is it leftover from dental school where I used to be quite bad at doing these things and I've gotten better, but my mental framing is still stuck in I'm bad at doing veneers, but I've done like a thousand courses on doing veneers and now I'm really good at them but my actual mental framing hasn't caught up with all of that. So it's just, just unraveling things slowly and one piece at a time. And you can do it yourself at home or talking to a colleague or, you know, going on podcasts and a lot of sort of epiphanies I've had on podcasts where people ask me a question like, huh, never thought of that that way. And then you just sort of have a conversation with someone. But if you don't have anyone in your life to have that conversation with, or you've unraveled things to such an extent where you're like, I have all this mental clarity and there's no one around you that can sort of help, then you can go to a paid professional, which is what I did, which I probably should have done 10 years ago or now. Like in between, I probably learned enough that I was doing it myself. But now I've got to the point where like, I think I'm perfectly fine. And then I go and see him every single, I think it's like every four, six weeks or something like that. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't need any. I don't. I definitely don't need this guy anymore. Like, I've I've solved all my mysteries in my in my mind. And then I like speak to him for an hour. And then I'm like, hmm, I'm I'm definitely not in the position that I thought I was. I can definitely be better. Um, there's all these problems that I didn't know that I had. And a lot of it is like when he, because he went on holiday. Because he changed. We're changing from a physical appointment to an online appointment just because he's moved offices and it's just a bit easier this way. And I remember I was like, I definitely don't need the appointments to be as close together as they used to be because I, he went on holiday. So it was like eight weeks between things. I was like, this is easy. I don't need him like every sort of four, six weeks. And then I got the email to book the appointment. And the day before I just had, I literally had just dropped from, four day or five days a week to the three and a half that I was doing or the four days to the three and a half that I was doing. And I'd been doing it for a week. And because it's the first week of that transition, your systems aren't set up and all these, there wasn't as much to do. And because my book hadn't been as busy, then that first week of the three and a half days was super light. Like when you do three and a half days of work, you have to condense a week's worth of patients into that amount of time. And so it's very like, go, 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 go. But that wasn't in place that first week. So that first week was like super light. And I was like, my productivity went down. My hourly rate went down. Like everything went down. I had all of this free time. I had twice as much time to do my teaching stuff. And I'd already finished all my teaching tasks that I needed to. So I had basically what felt like an entire week off, but I was going to work and doing all these things. So I was like, I felt super unproductive and it just really like messed with my, my sort of my mind. And I was like, Hmm, 
Maybe I've made a completely wrong decision. I've screwed things over. I'm not going to be earning as much. This is the worst thing ever. And then like in replying to his emails, like type, 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 like this, I've made a big mistake. I've done blah, 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 blah. And then I went up to uh, Queensland, Northern Queensland to, you know, do a, a week long, like intensive uh, session with the team at Ripe Global. We try to go up there like once a year, do like a, a meeting face-to-face stuff with the team, all these like meetings and stuff. And it was just like back-to-back meetings and workshops and all these things and, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to, you know, go to the gym with Lincoln at like five o'clock just because you're going to be doing some filming at 6.30 because you've got a, an important meeting at like seven o'clock. So you have to do all these things at like ridiculous hours. And then I came back from that and I was like, and then my work week just got crazy and busy and like all these other projects started happening. And I was like, I feel really comfortable and happy now with all of this chaos and all of this work happening. And I realized that it wasn't that I had too much free time. It's I didn't have enough projects to fill all the time that I had because I rearranged things so much that I had all of this extra opportunities in time that I needed to fill with opportunities and I hadn't yet filled them with those opportunities. But once they were filled, I was like, aha, I'm in my comfortable, happy place being super busy, which is, which is good. Why do you think that free time really bothered you? I, I find that I tend to waste my time when there's too much of unstructured free time and it's going to sound weird to people but i and there's nothing wrong with sitting you know there eating toast and scrolling on instagram or something like that on your kitchen counter after you've you know had a busy day at work i literally did that on wednesday like i came home from work i did the dishes and then i was like i could do something productive or I could eat toast and just sort of scroll on Instagram for a little bit and just see what everyone else is doing and just get some ideas about what content to create and things like that. So as I chose to do that, it was semi work related. So I felt sort of okay in doing it. But when you've got a lot of tasks that you have to do, and like my left screen here is just a never ending list of um, to do lists and things like that. But you kind of get stressed if you're sitting there just not doing anything. And so I know myself, I know what it takes to get a a task complete. I'm not the kind of person that wants to necessarily do it the last minute. Because I've got kids, things take infinitely longer to do. So if I'm writing, you know, a lecture for, you know, five months time, I can't exactly make that lecture on the spot two days beforehand. It will take me, you know, five months of of work to do it, but it's not like because I'm working actively on it for five months. It's just because it takes five months to schedule the time that it takes to complete the lecture in however, you know, one hour increments that it takes to create it. And so I know if I'm just sort of wasting a day, I'm like, well, I could have done something on that during that time. And that's one of the good things with the, the Sunday is, it's scheduled time to do nothing to recover. So I basically get all of those bits from my week that I would otherwise be wasting and then just cram it all into that Sunday so that I have that time, 
but it's an allocated time to rest and recover rather than all these other times where I could be doing something else because the team is only really available during, you know, Monday to Friday. They will answer emails and stuff during the weekend, but it's it's really just during the week. So if I waste that opportunity, you have to wait until Monday to get an answer for something. And sometimes things need to happen a little bit faster and, you know, did that make sense? I felt like I was just rambling on. No, that made a lot of sense. You actually, you're very impressive. What did you learn blocking off this Sunday from somewhere else? Or was this more like an intuitive thing? Because there's a religion called Seventh-day Adventist that they live. The- yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty much what well, most religions will have a day of sort of rest built into it whether they strictly adhere to it or not so all christian based religions will have that um that sort of day of of rest built into it's just whether they strictly do it or not some people have it on the saturday some people have it on the sunday but it's built into a lot of religions i mean that's where it probably stems from from a from a from a cultural and sort of a, a family sort of background thing that's probably just the day that has been chosen uh, and I've decided to keep that day rather than doing it on a random Wednesday, let's say, because, you know, that's when everyone's available. It's the weekend. That's when we go to my parents' house. If we ended up going to my parents' house on a Saturday, would I do it on a Saturday? Possibly, but I also do teaching on Saturdays. The hands-on stuff tends to happen on a Saturday, so it would be interfered with more often than it would be utilized if it was on a Saturday. So the Sunday just logistically works out, but it's probably by, you know, design that it works out that way because everyone traditionally would be going to church on Sunday or it's part of the weekend. It's the rest and recovery day for most people. If they go out on a Saturday, they tend to do nothing on the Sunday. That's when family barbecue said to happen, all those kind of things. So it's it didn't start as a religious reason for myself, but there are sort of those religious undertones from it. Yeah. Okay. That's impressive. It really is. It's funny because people will see your Instagram and they'll see you doing laundry in one of your reels saying you have so much time away from clinic and they think like, man, Michael's so successful, but they have no idea you're putting in 70 to 80 hours a week just to make this work. People have no idea how many hours successful people put in. Yeah, I mean, I do I do track all my hours mainly for it's going to sound weird, but mainly for my own fun, I guess. Like I'm the kind of person that likes to track sure. things. So, I just sort of track my hours also so I can see what I'm doing. Like I don't want to be spending all my time doing, you know, one particular task and I like to reflect back and be like, "Oh, actually, how long did that take me to to do that kind of task?" So, yeah, I I track it, but it has been a lot of 10 12 hour days which is just what you have i mean when you're working three and a half days a week you kind of have to condense your life into those kind of things but the more hours you work during the week the harder you work during the week the more time you need for recovery so a lot of the problems i was having early on was i was working really really hard five six seven days a week and there was no time for recovery. And so it's not the fact that I was working hard that was the issue. The issue was I wasn't giving my mind and body time to rest and recover. 
in the various different ways that it needed to rest and recover. So some of it was I needed to do nothing. Some of it was I needed to exercise and maintain a physically fit body so that my body wasn't falling apart while I was trying to do dentistry. Like a lot of the problems that dentists get with their their backs, their necks and things like that. Yes, a lot of it is ergonomics and your loops and posture and all those kind of things. But a lot of it is just physical fitness and just not having the core strength to actually hold your body in those positions for those extended periods of time and just sort of not stretching and all those kind of things. So I tried to stretch every single night. I say try because you know sometimes I do forget. Uh, I do exercise two to three times a, a week. Uh, all these different things just to try and make sure that I keep on top of myself, my mental health, my physical health, all these things so that I can perform correctly for those three and a half days a week. And it's if you are working seven days a week, you don't have time to do those things. And so that's why I'm really productive for those three and a half days a week because I give myself the time to recover and basically set myself up for the next three and a half days to be like smash that out and then sort of rest and recover and then sort of smash it out. It's more of a sprint each time and then you sort of rest, recover and train for it and then sprint and then rest, recover, train, sprint. Other than the stretching at nighttime, what other phys- physical mm. exercise are you doing? So obviously there's the stretching. Um, I do a lot of weightlifting and I do cardio uh, as well. Probably not as intense as I would like it to be. I'm trying to increase my uh, VO2 max at the moment. But it tends to be a lot of like walks and like, you know, bike rides and, and things like that. So a lot of yeah, gym work, resistance training, core exercises. Uh, I do a little bit of Pilates every now and then. And what else? Like uh, interval, uh, like high intensity interval training. Uh, I'll do every now and then as well. Just sort of try to mix things up. If I'm doing too much of one thing, it gets a bit sort of boring and stagnant. So I sort of throw something else in the mix there and it sort of helps jolt your body into a new form of discomfort uh like i i enjoy the feeling of you know that soreness that you get after a good workout at the gym that you sort of feel for a couple of days Uh, i i enjoy that i did bodybuilding for a few years so you get your body gets used to feeling that when you don't feel that you feel like you haven't worked and then you don't yeah you just i know you anyone who goes to the gym quite regularly kind of get to the point where they enjoy the feeling of like i really work that muscle hard it, there's the bit of soreness afterwards not to the point where it's like i can't lift my arm like you know you still want to be able to brush your teeth in the morning but it's just the you know oh that that feels like i actually did something worthwhile you know yesterday because you don't get the you don't see the result straight away it takes you know a couple of weeks couple of months couple of years to actually see the physical results of the training and so the the soreness is that thing that goes, oh, you actually did something. You're working towards a goal. It's the the expectation of future profit is the feeling that I get with the um, that soreness that you get. It seems like a lot of your, and this is not a criticism, a lot of your activities are goal-driven. Do you write, write mm. out goals like I have a goal for this year or I have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan? Do you do any forecasting? out into the distant future yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So I do. I have. It's actually above in my bathroom. I'm fortunate enough to. I mean, we only have a two bedroom house, but we have like a billion bathrooms in this house. <laughs> um, so like, I've got the ensuite, and then my wife has the uh, the other bathroom upstairs because the kids are like uh, one and a half and four. It's actually his fourth birthday oh, happy today. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, and and so so I've got my bathroom. She's got her bathroom. It's not because we're some rich, fancy family that have bathroom per person. It's just that's just how it worked out. And so in my bathroom, I've got above my toilet, um, like a whiteboard where I have all my goals for. So I have the goals for the year and then they're broken, then broken down into per quarter. And that gets changed every single quarter. Um, and then like future goals for the years after that. So basically the beginning of a year, I'll set out the goals for that year based on what I've achieved in the previous year and at the bottom, what I want to achieve for the future. Um, and then each quarter I'll break it down and go, okay, what's the thing that I need to do this quarter to achieve this yearly goal? And so if it's, let's say you wanted to do 50 implants you know, that year, well, how many implants is that per month? Because 50 sounds like a big number. And if you break it down into, you know, a lot less implants, it's too early in the morning to do math. So you can say anything. It's like I, four I implants. <laughs> yeah, it's four implants. Yeah, it's, it's about four implants a month. So which is one a week. So that's a lot more doable for someone mentally saying, can you do, you know, an implant a week? Well, if you've been doing implants for a while, doing one implant a week is fairly reasonable to be able to do. So you can break it down. Or if you just say, I'm going to do 50 implants this year. Okay, well, what's your plan? How are you going to achieve 50 implants a year? Oh, well, you need to do four implants you know, a month. Okay, do you have enough patience to do four implants? Do you have enough space in your book? Like you just break it down, ask all those questions, and eventually you find out where your sticking point is and why you haven't achieved that goal already. Uh, and then you sort of sort of can progress from there because a lot of the time we have this, I want to say problem, but it's a, it's a recurring issue with the dentists doing the, the Ripe Global program where they will fall behind in their assessments, in their lectures or whatever. And they'll say, look, we just need an extension. <clears throat> so I'm just going to have some water yeah, for a second. absolutely. I'm recovering from a cold. Ah, oh, it's better. So yeah, they're, they're falling behind. They message us. They say, look, I just need an extension. And we're like, yeah, that's fine. You know, we're a private online company. So if you need an extension, you know, we'll, we'll help you out. We're not a university. We're not going to fail you if you haven't submitted your assessment. But a lot of the times you ask them, okay, well, what's your plan? How are you going to get yourself back on track so that you can achieve the, you know, submitting your assessment that you said you're going to do? And 99% of the time they're like, oh, I'll just fit it in. It's like, well, you've been trying to fit it in for the last six months and you haven't been able to do it. Like, why are you going to be suddenly able to fit it in now? Like, they're not scheduling the time to do the assessments, do the lectures, they're not doing all these things they think because it's an online you know course they'll magically find time throughout their day to do it whereas if they were flying somewhere to attend a physical course they would block off their day they would get in the car they would get on the plane they would go to the lecture place do the lecture get back on the plane come back home 
that's three days of their life they'll block off for just this one hour lecture but then doing one hour of lecture online they just suddenly can't schedule it in their book it's just too hard too difficult so it's just seeing what your pain points are and then just breaking it down in smaller goals and then figuring out okay what do i need to do to achieve that goal and then sort of going from there but yes i do have goals for this quarter i tend to go quarter because months tends to be a little bit too short uh and then they are broken down versions of the bigger goals for the year or you know five years or whatever what's a big goal for this year if you don't mind sharing god uh well i want to get to a hundred thousand um followers between instagram and facebook so that's a that's a big goal um that's not a real goal that most people want to have but it's it's a goal that i have um well i need to buy another house because like i said i've got a two-bedroom house and there's four of us so that's probably my big goal for this year (laughs) oh it's yeah it's just it's, it's like that in everywhere in the world at the moment where trying to buy another house is difficult impossible there's not enough houses too many people looking at them and they cost far more than they actually should that's the same problem here oh my gosh in america yeah where i live there's like three houses on the market three billion people looking for them and every house is worth like 14 trillion dollars yeah i think i was looking at some metrics uh about my current house because we're not going to sell it we're just going to rent it out afterwards and i think the the real estate app was telling me that there's 127 people in my area looking for houses just like mine but there's only three available three available houses yeah so i'm like yeah for like two bedroom houses in my area so it's like you should sell your house i'm like i don't i don't want to sell my house Um, But there's 127 people actively looking for a two-bedroom house in my area, and there's only three that are available. Wow. Yeah. How many bedrooms are you looking for next? Four bedrooms or three? three? Uh, uh, Well, it's three bedrooms plus an office, which ends up being a four-bedroom house. Because I'm currently in my garage. Uh, So this this will not work long-term. It's like... There's a wash, the washing machine. There's a yeah, washing machine over there. Um, there's some gym equipment over there. There's toys behind this curtain here, and there's like storage stuff over there. Like my car doesn't fit in the garage because there's just so much stuff in it. My garage is the same way. We have a big garage, and half yeah. is packed with all my kids' stuff too. Yeah. Uh, the joys. So let me ask you, because this flew by, man. You're so easy to interview. We're, com- we're coming mm. up in the hour mark. I always ask a couple of questions at the end. The first one is, mm-hmm. what is one major takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this interview? I'd probably say that dentists are all very good at getting inside their head and... yeah dentists are very good at getting inside the head and it's about slowing down and sort of leaning into that sort of feeling that emotion and going why am i feeling this why do i have this thought about you know x procedure or this problem 
should you actually talk to someone to unravel that? Are you capable of unraveling it yourself? If you keep having the same problem over and over again, then maybe you're not capable of unraveling yourself. Seek some professional help or talk to a mentor or a colleague who's been through it before that can help you unravel your own mind and figure out where you are, where you've been and where you want to go. And having that accountability of like, okay, how do I get to that next step? And making sure that the harder you work, the harder you need to recover from the work. So it's not just a physical break, but a mental break. Uh, and making sure that you are letting your mind rest and recover, your, <clears throat> your body rest and recover. But also the recovery of your physical health also comes in the form of exercise so that you can build yourself back up in a way that you can perform the next week or the next day as well. That's such perfect advice. You're like a slightly better looking, slightly smarter version of me. And I, I really appreciate that. So, But without, without a, podcast. a podcast. Yeah, not yet. So tell people where they can find you, how they can sign up for Ripe Global and everything that you do online, how they can get more of it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can reach me at any of the social media like Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you just go Dr. Michael Frazes, F-R-A-Z-I-S, you'll find me anywhere there. Feel free to reach out to me, send me a message, then we can chat from there. <coughs> Sorry. the All the right global stuff, it's all on my uh, in my Instagram page. You could also head over to the Ripe Global website, uh, ripeglobal.com, and then you can sign up for any of our online fellowships, our virtual restorative, virtual orthodontic, and virtual implant fellowships. They run for over two years with a mentoring, but we're condensing down the actual learning into six months. So you learn two years worth of work in six months. Amazing. Michael, I really appreciate your time. You are an inspiration for a dentist at any age in their career, any stage in their career. So I want you to enjoy the rest of your day, and I'm t I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having See me you on, soon. Vincent. Thanks.